We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 25 of the pod. Joined now by Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt, we got plenty to touch on this week. Sort of getting into a bit of a swing of things here with the football season, both NFL and NCAA. The Bears do everything in their power to try and lose a game, but somehow they come out with a W. We'll talk a little bit of Bears football off the top. Cubbies, uh, not in the position they want to be, but heading back to Wrigley today, the Tuesday. Um, and and uh, Bulls season starts later on this week, so we'll we'll touch on uh, whatever we know and don't know about Bulls basketball. But Matt, first and foremost, how are we doing today? Well, I'm a little bit disappointed. You mentioned the you know three of the major sports teams. You didn't bring up the Blackhawks getting a little bit of revenge on the Predators Saturday night at home. We will also touch Hawks. Today's going to be a Matt's <laughs> Hockey Minute. Um, we, we, might, we might not delve as deep. No, but, I don't uh, need to delve as deep today. I just wanted to. But give they you a do look good. They, they they look good out of the gates. The Hawks and uh, I saw a couple of the couple different power rankings. ESPN had them at one. I think I saw another power rank. I don't know if it was Yahoo, but someone else had them at one as well. So Joe, as um, much as I want to talk about hockey right now, it's we we got so we got some bigger stuff. You don't have to appease me at this moment. We we, we had, right, we had right. some stuff happen Sunday, didn't you're we? right. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make a smile here on a on a. On a, dro- a, droomy, droomy, Joe, I, I, <laughs> a Tuesday morning. I've been smiling since I got the FaceTime call from you. There you yeah, go. That's not a problem. There you go. Well, let's jump right into it then, Matt. Uh, Bears football, like I said, uh, kind of looked like down the stretch they did everything they could in their power to try and lose that game, but they come out with the win. Um, what were what were some of your takeaways? You know, we saw Trubisky on the move outside of the pocket again. The touchdown pass looked really sharp. Um Really seems like Dow Loggins and the whole system over there. They're trying to kind of protect protect Mitch from making the big mistakes. But um, do you think they're borderlining on you know keeping him too leashed, not letting him, not yeah, letting him go looked, out there and play his game? It looked like they played him even more conservatively against Baltimore than they did against Minnesota. I didn't think Absolutely. that was very possible, mm-hmm. um, but they did. I think he threw sixteen times in this game compared to twenty five against Minnesota. Yeah, but it's. Th- they they need to figure out a way to to open up the offense just a little bit more um, because he, he is showing the ability to escape the pocket, make some throws on the run, do some good things, and maybe that is coming. Maybe just this is a part of the he wasn't quite ready yet, and now we're just trying to ease him into a bigger playbook. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he I, I think he's shown the ability to at least be given a few more chances, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, we're, I'm looking at the box score right now. Bears I can tell you break- that off the top of my head. Bears breakdown was 54 rushes yeah. to 17 passes, one of which was Tariq out of the Cohen. hand of Tariq Cohen, which you got to hand it to, to, I don't know if it's Dow Loggins or if it's Fox, but whoever these last two weeks has kind of said, hey, w- what is there to lose? Let's uh, Trivia let's question, kinda, Joe. Let's, let's flip over the playbook here and see what's in, in the back pamphlet, and uh, they've kind of gone to the trick plays a little bit. Trivia two question. Two, two, uh, two players in the NFL have perfect passer ratings this year. Can you name them? Pat O'Donnell and Tariq Cohen. There you go. Bear ding, down. Ding, ding, Bears ding, are ding, back. Bear down. So uh, a total of two for two out of uh, out of the Chicago boys there. But uh, speaking of Tariq Cohen, looked like, you know, we were being a little critical of his running style. Looked like someone got in his ear. He was getting downhill again, uh, a little less dancing. 
still on the punt returns trying to make something happen. But if there's a place and a time for it, it is on punt returns. So the two-headed monster of Cohen and Howard looking like, uh, dare I say, one of the more dynamic and dangerous backfields in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Howard especially. Um, I think he had 167 yards or something like that on 36 carries. And he, Mm -hmm. other than that... Uh, unexcusable mistake going out of bounds on that third down. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. I thought did a great job falling forward for getting extra yards, all that stuff. Tariq Cohen, he did a little bit. He was better in the second half or at least the, mm-hmm. the second quarter on of not trying to dance. But early on, he did way too much of the let's try and reverse field cutback and see what we can get. Maybe that's just him adjusting to the pro game because he is a rookie and we, we saw some flashes early on and we want him to be that explosive player all the time. But now with teams keying on him a little bit, it's going to be a little bit harder, and I think he's going to have to adjust to that you know pro running style where that that, that cutback or that reverse field isn't always going to be there like it was in college. But yeah. I, I I think I'm starting to agree with you, and I think with a with a veteran guy like Benny Cunningham in there too, I I think you actually have three pretty good options at running back, one really good one, and, and two you know solid guys behind him. Uh, Matt, we we started to see it this week against Baltimore that teams really are starting to understand the futility of the Bears' passing game in terms of wide receivers. It's going to become an issue over the next few weeks. Teams are going to put nine in the box. Teams are going to put eight in the box, and the Bears aren't going to be able to move the ball in the run game. I, I don't care if if your offensive line's outstanding or wh- mm-hmm. whatever whatever your success is coming from. That well's going to dry up if teams start getting numbers into the box. And last week, I believe Kendall Wright had two receptions and – Michael Burton had one. Other than that, all of your receptions came from running backs and tight ends. Well, Michael this Burton is, is a fullback there, Joe. Michael Burton is the fullback. Pe- so, people yeah. forget that. So we got so we got a fullback, <laughs> what, tight two, ends. Two catches, and, then, yeah. So two catches, both of them coming out of Kendall Wright. So teams are going to go in there with heavy packages and just load the box. The Bears are going to have to start throwing the ball at some point. Is this... I mean, I know the answer to this, but is this a damning problem for the Chicago Bears offense? I mean, I think it has to be unless this yeah. is unless they're really just trying to take advantage of being able to run the football and you know compete while they still can. But yeah. I, I don't I don't see this being able to last for for terribly long. They're going to have to open up. The, I, I don't I don't care who they're throwing to. They're going to have to take some shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now with with this division suddenly being wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to an injury up in, in Green Bay that we'll, we'll get to. Um, I, I think you have to start doing all you can to, to diversify the offense a little bit. I Get Mitch out in space a little bit more, try and create things on the run for him, give him some run pass options, which may, might help him, excuse me, him as well as some receivers. And continue to try and get Tariq Cohen involved in the passing game too, get, coming out of the backfield, split him out, stuff like that, get him going across the field, just try to get him the ball in space as well. Um, if you don't have playmakers on the outside, try and get them to your, you know, other playmakers in space on the inside and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on it there a little bit, Matt, but with the Rogers injury, I, I know I, I preach expectation for this bears team and a lot of these, um, teams that we, that we might, that might not be ready to win here in Chicago, but how does this Rogers injury affect expectation for the bears? I mean, it's it's one hundred. I think it, expe- it changes expectation one hundred percent because I, I know they're not a finished product yet. I, I know there's oh, still a lot of work to be done on offense, but what we've seen from their defense is it's very very good. 
I think yeah. you saw against Baltimore. I know Baltimore is not you know the most dynamic offense, but the Bears' defense held them under three yards. Started, they even started turning the ball over, grabbed two interceptions. Adrian Amos looks like an entirely different player since he got benched and then got to replace Quentin Demps after the Demps injury. Kyle Fuller looks like he's going to you know be worthy of an extension. That defense is a playoff caliber defense right now, and I think we've been saying that since you know day one that that they have a really good group on that side of the ball. And I think yeah. now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, there's really no dynamic team in that division. I know Minnesota's four and two, but we saw Minnesota on Monday Night Football. They didn't look like they were anything impressive. Detroit is a different team every week, who I don't think you can count on. Same with Matthew Stafford is uh, kind of basically that team in a nutshell. It's, it's one week he's he looks like the best quarterback in the NFL. One week he looks like the worst. But mm-hmm. in the NFL, especially you know more than any other league, anything can happen in a given year. And I think football is such a, a weird sport and that, you know, teams fluctuate up and down uh, year to year, I think, easier than any other. So I, I think you kind of have to treat this year like a we want to go out and try and win the division kind of year. They're yeah. two games out. I mean, but no one in that division looks great anymore. It's, uh, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird dichotomy because I don't know that, I don't know that the Bears are ready or have the tools to win the division but the expectation should be that because this is the easiest it will be yes. to win the division, a division without Aaron Rodgers, a division where Minnesota has a bit of a quarterback quarrel going on over there. You mentioned Detroit. I think all things considered, they become the favorite here. I think they are the most complete team uh, aside from Green Bay without an Aaron Rodgers, but Detroit has showed signs early this season to be a dangerous team. It is that consistency that you speak about that always is their mm-hmm. crutch, that always is Matthew Stafford's crutch. But they'll be a starting quarterback right now. I know that uh, Case Keenum, uh, they've kind of rallied around Case Keenum in Minnesota, but uh, Teddy Bridgewater will return to practice this week. So there's going to be some questions there. Yeah, and we know who, Case, we know who Keenum Case Keenum is. is I mean. And there's talks of Matthew Stafford's le- – not pardon me, not Matthew Stafford, um, whatchamacallit, over in Minnesota – um, Bradford's uh, knee injury being a lot worse than people are talking about. Jay Glazer reporting that there's murmurs of career ending. So I think there there's a lot going on in Minnesota wow. that could be a distraction that could play into the standings here. And uh, like I said, Detroit being the favorite. But you know, who says the Bears can't catch fire here with a dangerous defense like they have? Once that defense gets back to full strength, if the offense can just show semblance of being have, – have some sort of production, some sort of productivity, and some sort of passing game, you can't rule the Bears out. And it's so weird for me to be saying that at this point in the season. No, and it, it is weird because we didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to be down. But that, like we've said here now a couple times, that, that just – that changes everything. There is no dominant team in that division. and Somebody has yeah. to go to the playoffs. And I thought Minnesota was going to be a little bit better, but – I mean, you watched the game on Monday night. Were they anything? I mean, did the Bears yeah. kind of beat themselves in that Monday night game? If the Bears played the way they should have, the Bears yeah. should have won that game. We haven't seen them play Detroit, and I'm a little bit worried about what Matthew Stafford might be able to do to that secondary if he's good Matthew Stafford. But if he's not, I mean, anything can happen in those games. The Bears' schedule the rest of the way is not, you know, the most difficult yeah. thing in the world. And. I, mean, I, I don't want to admit – it's earlier than we thought because of this Rodgers injury, but, I mean, they're a team who's 2-4 and four who could e- very bit as easily mm-hmm. be 4-2. and two. 
So th- th- I don't think there's any reason to not. I'm not saying go out and you know trade, you know find somebody to move second round pick for or whatever, move picks and try and get you know playmakers on the outside here for Mitch. But I think you have to treat this as a as a year that you can go out and win the division because, like you said, it's not yeah, going to get easy. I have easy. to agree with you there, Matt. And it seems like you know compounding positivity here in Chicago. You get your starter in there. Uh, you get his first career win. Not to say that it's a positive, because it's not a positive for football, but for the competition in the NFC North, it's definitely a positive not having Aaron Rodgers there. I think the league's better when Aaron Rodgers is there, but I think that the NFC North becomes cut and dry when Aaron Rodgers is there. So uh, some things for Bears fans to keep an eye on, some things for Bears fans maybe to, to be high on to get positive about. So some good things over the last few weeks. The Bears get Brett Hundley's Packers at Soldier Field on uh, November 12th. Uh, that's a noon start. Should be a good one, but again... We, we might we finally might get, get him, him, Joe. We might, we might get him, get but the on, on the opposite side of that coin there, Rodgers' record versus the Bears, still untarnished. <laughs> Four, 14 <laughs> and 4, 15 like and that. 4. So, uh, like we won't that, get a yeah. chance to, to put a knock into the Rodgers' win percentage uh, for the rest of the season, it looks like. Um, I uh, I talked about it, but I want to kind of get your... Uh, inf- not inf- opinion here. What, what, what can the Bears do, I guess, to get to diversify this offense for Trubisky a little bit more because we've touched on it here, but like 54 carry 54 to 17 balance is just, it's not something that's going to get it done. And we've seen, we've seen like we saw Mike Glennon throwing the ball 30, 40 times. Yeah. But that was also, that was also two wide receivers ago. And yeah, uh, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, Aside, he threw a bunch Aside from Packers. going out and getting a guy, which you usually don't see in the NFL, you don't see many moves happening in the middle of the season. Yeah. Aside from that, I think splitting out Cohen is your next your next kind of frontier into expanding the pass game. Now, we're not going to be running them down the field on go routes, but as you said, maybe some crossing routes, some things to, to get a guy out of the box. I wouldn't mind seeing Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard on the field at the same time. Cohen in the slot motion them into the backfield, motion mm-hmm. them out of the backfield, move defenses around so they can't just stand there and come downhill at you because the, the running game is going to suffer if you don't start getting inventive moving guys outside of the box. So I think moving Cohen around because the more film guys get on Cohen, the more tape he puts down, the more defenses are going to take notice of him. So the more you move him around, the more defenses are going to have to move with him. I think you need to start not using Cohen as a decoy, but moving him around in in the offense. In the he needs to be on the field more often. Yes, more whether or not he's a first option, somebody whether or not he's a first option or an option at all, he is going to be accounted for now. So I think that you know he he holds the key to this Bears offense in a lot of different ways. I mean, I, I obviously I agree with you there because that was something I talked about too. But another thing I'd like to see them do is as bad as their receiving group might be, they actually have a pretty solid yeah. tight end core. And I think a guy like Zach Miller, a guy like Deion Sims, I haven't seen it yet from Not- Adam Shaheen, but maybe that's just because they're they're waiting for he's still, you know, taking a few more steps to develop. But I think eventually he might get there. But I think splitting those two guys out into the slot when you're when yeah. you're in the gun, stuff like that. Just anything to get them away from, you know, hand the ball, hand the hand the ball off, hand the ball off, roll out yeah. is our, you know, I- pass play, you know, count because teams a, they're loading the box, and, and B, they, they don't respect the Bears' weapons enough where that backside end on the rollout's basically just sitting there. Backside end, backside linebacker is just basically spying yeah. Trubisky, saying, you're not going to roll out and beat us. If that if your play is a boot, you're gonna, I'm going to make you set up over the tackle and have one of your receivers get over. Yeah, I like the idea work. of splitting out the tight ends. Miller, um, I, I know 
has done that a little bit in the past. Deion Sims ball yeah. skills just aren't there yet. I, I, I'm not too high on him and he, he made a great, I'm not either, but he's he better is. than he what we got catch in the end zone on the Trubisky rollout play. But, uh, He's he's already dropped too many balls for my liking this year. Um, but again, getting variable in your sets, getting variable in your offense, and affecting defensive sets that that might you know open up that run game inside a little bit more than it already is. Uh, Matt, uh, we touched on it, and I want to double back to it. But the Rogers injury, it's um you know it's not great for the league. We we love to see him out there. We love to see him playing. We hate to see him beating the Bears, but. Uh, what do, what does this say for Rogers' future in the league? Because this is his second collarbone injury, thankfully, luckily, on the opposite collarbone, but this time on his throwing arm. Are we ever going to see the same Aaron Rodgers? Is it crazy to be asking that question? Is this an injury that is this an injury that's going to affect his future? I don't think it's crazy to ask it. Um, I don't think it's going to affect his long-term future. Obviously, the short-term future is affected, and they're, they're, he's not. I think he's going to have surgery. He said most likely going to need surgery, which will put him mm-hmm. out for the rest of the year. But I, I, I know it's a quarterback, so obviously that that side of his upper body is pretty important. But it's it's his collarbone. It's not really his shoulder or his elbow or anything. And I, I, I just think this will kind of be what it's been in the past for him. He'll recover. He'll come back. He'll be just fine um, because – it's never really been his arm strength that's been the re- – I'm not saying he doesn't have a strong arm, but it is, you know, his arm strength isn't what makes Aaron Rodgers great. His ability to move and you know basically put the ball anywhere on the field from you know where he wants on the run is what makes him so good. It's his accuracy. Yeah. I don't think that's I mean, going to be something Aaron that Rogers goes anywhere. Still rip that thing when he needs to, but I, I understand. What he can't. I'm not. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not under, saying. I understand he can't, that, that that's it's not, not his only great. Tool. It's not. It's not his only yeah. uh, trick in the bag. And that's that's something that's going down. You know that when you get older, anyways, is going to with, unless your name's Brett Favre is going yeah. to start you know moving down a little bit as the arm strength. And I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think I don't think this is anything. But and you don't want to see anybody get injured. I'm not saying that, but this is just kind of a one year thing where the NFC North rest of it kind of takes a little bit of a sigh of relief and says we're back. I don't think anybody plans on the yeah. next few years being like, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had that collarbone thing. We don't, the Packers aren't going to be the favorite, or we don't have yeah. to worry about well, it. I said it, uh, mentioned it on Twitter that, uh, you know, the precedent for multiple collarbone injuries is now sitting in the booth for CBS. So um, it's not an injury you want to see to a quarterback's throwing arm. But if anyone's going to come back from it, if anyone's going to be as equally as effective, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. So. Speaking of that guy sitting in the He's not for, going anywhere. CBS, say, say, say Brett Hundley's you know, not good no. for the next. I'm, not right now because he ha- Hundley has to get the shot because we've never seen him. But say two, three weeks. I think he's me and the rest of the, ro- you think Tony the, rest gets of the romosexuals call? have come to grips that I think Tony is good in the booth. He likes the booth. And what, what, but what well, he's I think doing, he's great in the booth and he likes it too. What he's doing right now he's is he's pulling a Gruden. He's doing just enough to tease his name. I think on the broadcast the other day, uh, Nance asked him what his last throw in the NFL was, and he responded, my last throw, as if he's not done throwing the ball. He's teasing his name, so when contract time comes around with CBS, he's in the prime position to negotiate his number, not only off skill, but off demand. And the the difference between him and Gruden is that Gruden can do this till, till the cows come home because it's coaching. Romo's yeah. demand in the league probably only stretches another year or two, so he's got to do everything he can 
to keep his name in these conversations. I don't think he's going anywhere out of the booth. I don't think so either, but that would be an interesting – I mean, that's that's an interesting phone call that I think yeah. at least has to be made if Brett Hundley is in fact yeah, that. It's, it's, it's the Hundley era in Green Bay. It's the Bears – and speaking of speak, speaking of Gruden, I don't know if you saw this. But people in Tennessee were freaking out. He was in Knoxville over the weekend. I think he was at the uh, the, Car- the South Carolina. Well, Tennessee I had game. him. I had him placed at an egg harbor in Lake Forest two weeks ago before Bears uh, Monday night game. So he, he he does some traveling. I don't think there's anything to think about it. It's cool. I got because he called the game. Uh, Bears sure Panthers did. this Sunday noon start on CBS. I know it has nothing to do with it, but I hate when the Bears are on CBS. They never seem to win. But uh, it's just we. It, honestly, it's, it's like the weird. opposite it, of it, the it, t- it doesn't the feel TNT right to bolts. me. It's the CB. It's the CBS Bears. Yeah. yeah, CBS Bears. All right. Well, we'll be watching, and it'll be a good one. They'll have to hold down Cam and company. Uh, we'll see if Luke Keekley is on the opposite side of the ball for the Bears offense. Uh, looked like he got dinged up again. I don't know if they're calling it a concussion, saying he's in protocol. They're being very. Uh, Playing it very close to the chest over there in uh, in Carolina, but uh, we will see who comes out on game day. Matt, plenty else to talk about. Cubbies find themselves back against the wall, coming back to Chicago down 0-2. Uh, simply put, is it over? No, uh, it's not over. Um, I, today is is about as big of a game on the north side as I think they've played mm-hmm. in a, in a while. Um, or maybe not as big, but I don't think there's been about as much pressure on them, you know, in a while in a game like this. Because I do think if they lose this one, it's going to be really hard to beat the best team in baseball four yeah. times in a row. But you, you got to hold serve at home, and they they would have liked to steal one on the road in L.A. But the old saying goes, you know, a series isn't over until somebody loses at home. So if if they lose at home tonight, yeah, they're in a little bit of trouble. But I don't think I think it's far from over. I think they got. Arguably their best big game pitcher on the mound going tonight against a guy in you Darvish who's never really pitched a big mm-hmm. game in his life, so you don't really know what to expect from him. Um, don't know really know what the weather's going to be like, but Darvish is a guy who relies on a lot of you know spin and movement on his pitches, and if that weather's a little bit cold, uh, it, it might not be moving as much for him. So so we'll see what happens, but I don't think it, this series is, is anywhere. Close I, I agree all. with you, Matt. And uh, if Cubs fans want to take solace in anything, I don't know how much weight you put in this, but. Uh, the Dodgers have lost three of their last five best of seven series after leading two to nothing. So professional choke artists at Chavez Ravine. Um, a lot of baseball still to be played, as you said, tonight. Could be the linchpin on which way the series goes one way or the other. I, I honestly think that, that the Cubs hold serve, and I think it gets to 2-2. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but um, just just that energy at Wrigley and, and the pitching matchup tonight, um, it, it, it plays into the Cubs' uh, favor regardless of being down 0-2. Um, I will say, though, with that, the, the Cubs better hope they get that first swing yeah. momentum tonight because that, that that's a place that in the past and a little bit times this year, too, has shown that you know as, as much as they love the Cubs, and that is a great energy when things are going well, it is a place that gets a little bit you, – you can, you can feel the nerves, you can feel the tension when things yeah. start to go wrong. Um, and if the Dodgers do get out to an early one nothing, two nothing lead, say something goes wrong, I would be that. that that's when I'd start to be concerned. I, I think, think the Cubs fans' thing. concern should come pretty. Well, yeah, they but I think, be that, I think I that, mean, that I think that the, the word, concern moving forward should be placed solely on the manager at this point. And I know we've nitpicked Madden's decisions throughout this entire postseason, but why in the hell? Is John Lackey towing the rubber in the bottom of the ninth against 
the the heart of an LA Dodgers offense. I was going to say, let's just get to the hitters in the game. What what is the thinking there to put a guy who throws the ball ninety two piss flat down the middle? Like there could that was that was Joe. We don't have the explicit tag. It was ninety. It was ninety two. Like just belt high a little bit away. That was batting practice there for Justin Turner. Yeah, um, I mean, this this argument's I think been had to death, and I don't think there's anybody who really. But yeah, no no one's had an answer. Stick, no, you one, can't stick with John. You can't stick no with John did. Lackey. Well, Joe Madden's answer basically. I don't know if you heard it last night, or it was either yeah last night, yesterday, whatever. He said something along the lines of, "Well, you know, we didn't want to warm up Wade without you know having him go in." Uh, he actually used it apparently in baseball circles. That that term is called dry ah. for managers. Um, they, they don't want to get Davis up and then sit him back down and then get him back up again. So once he was up, they wanted him to be you know up to go in for good, which why that isn't a situation where he goes up and in for good is beyond me. I know the bats haven't been there, but if you don't get to the tent, yeah. you can't you know and, rally in the tent. And you I don't, need to get I don't, there. You can't I don't save your best arm for a second either because Wade Wade Davis had a seven out save, I believe it was two days prior. Yeah, but it was yeah, like a week but ago. I, I'm saying. I'm not saying uh, – yeah, it was a few days prior, so rest not being an issue, he showed the ability to go deeper than three outs. Put him in the game. You yeah. can't win the game if you're down by three in the bottom of the ninth. I'm told that that's how baseball works. If you're if you're the away team, so. you, you need to have more points than the home team at the bottom portion of the inning. It was just stupid. There was no logic behind the move, and – uh, you know, we we talked about fireable offenses for Dusty Baker last week. Not saying that this is a fireable offense for Madden because everyone loves him. He's the best manager that the city's seen in a long time. But man, he's not beyond being questioned, and I think he needs had, to be questioned. Had Joe Madden not won a World Series last the, year, the seat would be hot. Right the seat would be hot. Yeah. Um, I, he, he, my thing with Joe Madden is. He is a very he's a fantastic, if not one of the best regular season managers in baseball, and that I think he's a great manager mm-hmm. of people. Um, I, I think he knows how to gauge the room of his clubhouse. I think he has a great ability to know his players as well as they know himself the, themselves better than they know themselves. And I think over a one hundred and sixty two game schedule that is every bit as valuable as a great tactician, you know, great tactical manager. You know, great strategic manager, all that stuff, and I, I think that's what makes him very valuable for this team because they did have, you know, a group of young kids who had never really done their Bennett before, and he was able to kind of gauge the room a little bit, get them all on the same page, get them going at the same time with some of his quirks and all that stuff. I don't think Joe Madden's a very good strategic yeah. manager. I, I really don't, and I, I, I thought maybe last year was just a little bit, you know, World Series. You know, the the pressure gets to everybody a little bit. He made some bad bullpen decisions. He was going up against Terry Francona who's widely regarded as one of the best managers in baseball and you know got, got beat a little bit even though his team didn't. I, I think we're starting to see this year the way he's gone with his bullpen, the way he's pulling starters a little bit earlier, some of the lineups he's putting out there, having Elmora hit against uh, the right-hander even though he's awful against right-handed pitching. I, don't, I, I really don't think he's all that good of an in-the-moment strategic manager. I'm not saying he's not a good manager. I think he's a perfect fit for that Cubs team. And he was exactly what they needed at the right time, and he's a great manager of people. But I'm not sure he's a great strategic. Yeah, we, we've at just all. Uh, we've seen some 
Because for a, for a guy who's been to the playoffs that many times, and I think he had some pretty decent teams yeah. in Tampa, he, he, he doesn't only have the year, one the title. Success. That's usually yeah. when those things start. I, I haven't, I didn't track his career this closely in Tampa, so I don't really know what he was doing with the bullpen and, there in the playoffs. But a guy who's been there that many times, you really only kind of have that one. I, I know win. we've, uh, I know we've addressed um, it in the past, but last year the Cubs really just cooking with gas. Everything aligned, whether it be. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the lineup, the way they were playing, the curse, uh, just all these things, the rain in game seven, everything was mm-hmm. storybook. This year, it has yeah. to be a little bit more o- organic, a little bit more ho- homegrown. And that's where we saw the Cubs struggles throughout the year. And I think that's where we're seeing some struggles now uh, out of the managerial position. But again, down 0-2, everything could change tonight, one swing of the bat. Yeah, and it, I, I will say too one thing with Madden. It, it, it's it's hard to be to look like a good manager when you got no bullpen outside of yeah. one arm. And he really, I mean, I know John Lackey wasn't the right decision. Maybe you do stick with Brian Dunsing, who's who's got it spinning a little bit. But I just said his other best option was sticking with a guy named mm-hmm. Brian Dunsing, who's been nothing more than a journeyman lefty. His you know, you know where the, the last journey began, um, right here. Right Link, here Lincoln, in Nebraska, Nebraska at Hawks. Was at he a Lincoln Hawks Salt Field. Dog? No, he went to. He was a. He was a Husker. He uh, played college. Played college oh, ball that's here. Too bad. I was, was hoping he was, he was on. Salt uh, Dog. He uh, was on the. I forget what year it was, but uh, that was the team that made it to Omaha for uh, College World Series. That was a solid. Solid lineup. Some uh, cool. some big names. Some MLB names on that lineup. But I digress. Go on. That's talking, talking Husker baseball. baseball. We'll have a little Husker football. Later. Um, we we will. We got some <laughs> interesting topics there. Um, but yeah, I, I just it, Dave Roberts right now looks like the best manager in baseball because his bullpen hasn't given up a hit in eight innings, and I think the only base runner was when Kenley Jansen hit Anthony Rizzo with a fastball inside. Um, I, I think when your bullpen's this bad, when you have Rizzo, Bryant, and Contreras combining for zero and eleven, zero for eleven with seven strikeouts in game two, I mean any manager is going to look bad when your team's doing that, and when your three best hitters are doing yeah. that. I mean, I, I don't, that Kenley Jansen at bat, uh, the Wilson Contreras at bat against Kenley Jansen in game two was, he, Kenley Jansen didn't throw a ball within two feet yeah. of the strike zone. And he was throwing fastballs at Wilson's mm-hmm. chin, and he was trying to hack and swing it. He looked like Javi Baez at the, the way he was swinging, swinging at pitches out of zone. Contreras is usually one of their smarter hitters. So, so it's, it's it's on that lineup too, and it's it's not all on Joe Madden as bad as that decision. Yeah. Well, was. game three tonight, Matt. As we said, it's uh, Cubs Dodgers back at the friendly confines. O two, the Cubs trail today on Tuesday, October seventeenth. Whenever you're listening to this, uh, Cubs could be tied to Cubs series could be over if you're listening to this years from now. Um, and if you are, hello from the past. That's uh, that's Cubs baseball here on the Moose and Runes podcast. We're gonna keep it trucking here, matter. <laughs> Um, very quickly, let's touch upon it. Bulls basketball starts on Thursday. Can you name the Bulls starting lineup? I know I can't. Uh, Robin Lopez okay. is, is your center. Um, Zach Levine's going to be a <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris Dunn. Chris, Chris Dunn. Dunn okay. Guard, right. Right. Bobby Portis. Clinton Portis's Portis. brother. That's fact be. check that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll look into it. Um, is Mark in uh, it? Let him ball? play. Let the kid play. The foreign phenom. Yeah, let's, it's it's like it's like you, you're seeing what's going on there on the lakefront with Trubisky. You know, <laughs> get the rookie in there. We let, want to get him, him his exposure. Um, who, who's the shooting guard? Uh, oh, Miritich Nicola, is got to be yeah. starting, right? Yeah. 
He's probably starting year three, so that means Markinen is not starting. So it means I'm just yeah. missing a two well, guard. Well, is, is Justin we'll Justin Holiday? I, I have no idea. Oh, I no, thought I thought I you maybe nothing, had it in but, front uh, of you. I don't know. Bulls kick off Thursday in Toronto. I, I'm not looking at the number right now, but I believe uh, Vegas had them at like 22 and a half uh, over under. I think that sounds about right. Um, yeah. It's going to be a long season. I just think the East is so bad that they might be able to get more yeah. wins than they should, yeah. but yeah. they're terrible. Um, well, all things all yeah. things considered, Bulls basketball starts this week. Uh, NBA basketball kicks off tonight with two marquee matchups. Kyrie Irving's return to Cleveland should be interesting. Kyrie gave that city um, his youth. He gave he gave Cleveland everything that they could have asked for, even prior to LeBron. He was the heart and soul of that team. Uh, kind of took them from obscurity to relevance, but uh, an unceremonious exit from uh, from Believe Land. And uh, I think we're going to be we're going to be met with a smattering of booze tonight. Um, should be interesting. Boston. Boston, yeah, Cleveland in the will. early matchup. Your West Coast matchup is Houston at Golden State. Possibly previews of each conference final. Um, Matt, what are a couple NBA storylines that you might have your your eye on? I know not really our uh, our marquee topic, but um, but no, it's been, um, it, it's I, been I a, a phenomenal w- and interesting off season full of storylines. I, I think. It's those that movement out west with you know Oklahoma City all of a sudden getting you know viable again. The, the Rockets adding Chris Paul and, and looking on paper at least like they should be able to compete with anybody. The Spurs being the Spurs, I, I just I think it's can anybody in the West you know give Golden State a run for their money in the playoffs? Any one of those three teams? Mm-hmm. I don't think they can, but I, I think that's probably the storyline to look at because other than that I, I think all your storylines happened already in the offseason uh, I, I know it's it's a great you know the NBA wants to pump up Kyrie going home tonight and that's something that you know I might tune in for for the first you know introductions and see if he gets booed and all that but after that it, it doesn't really matter because tonight doesn't matter it just matters when they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals or you know Eastern Conference yeah. second round um, but I, I think all the action in the NBA lies out west and I think it's whether or not San Antonio, Oklahoma City, or Houston can maybe add another piece to the, to them as well, and then maybe give Golden State a run in a conference mm-hmm. final. Or a I think that you said it there, Matt. That you know it's kind of predetermined, and it's now the NBA's job to hold our attention with storylines and and things of that sort for eighty two games until we get to the uh, predetermined playoffs. But um, I think that storyline yeah. of, I believe that the number 16 All-Stars, ex-All-Stars, changed jerseys this offseason. So, so just to Jesus. see how those adjustments happen in these first few weeks, you know, how those teams start to mold together. Because it is, um, mm-hmm. it's essentially, it was essentially a fantasy draft this offseason, and uh, it's going to be a lot of new looks for teams, and I think that's going to be very interesting, at least to hold our attention for the first quarter of the season here. Yeah, I mean, and it may be another storyline that you kind of brought it, brought it up with a lot of the talent leaving the East, but how many under 500 teams in the East make That's the That's a good playoffs? point. I think three. That's a good point. At least three. Until yeah, they move so. to the, I mean, until they move to the best 16, until they move to the best 16 format, I, I just don't. Yeah. They have to do that, I feel like, at some point with how bad the East is getting. I mean, it's it's the East is going to be borderline ridiculous this year. I know it's kind of the same story with that Boston and Cleveland are the only yeah. two who can win it but like now they're really the only two who can win it and it's yeah. not even close. Yep. So it should be a uh, 
a fun but predictable season in the NBA. Things kick off tonight with Cavs and Celtics. Who you got, Joe? What's your who's your, who's your NBA Finals? <laughs> part prediction four. time. Just call it Part Four. Yeah, and it's I, I feel like four. I believe yeah, four. Part Four. Yeah, it's four. Um, yeah, so yeah. But I'll same. watch. Big shocker. I wish we could just. I probably won't. I wish we could just playoffs. fast forward. Not even the playoffs. I wish we could just fast forward to the conference finals. That's really, yeah. I think, when when the fun starts. G- give me those. You know, give three me Christmas. Weeks of basketball give me Christmas, and then the conference it. finals, and I'm and I'm a happy basketball fan. And Christmas and Day on Joe. And don't make me watch year. the Bulls. That's my other request. They're going to be. You want to watch the Bulls? Be really bad. I know, but it'll be. But like fun um, there is a uh, a resident <laughs> over there at the madhouse that. Uh, Looks like they are going to keep our attention this year. Hawks 4-1-1 one, one through a pretty tough start to the schedule. Um, this week we're looking at uh, the Blues, the Oilers, and the Yotes. Mm-hmm. Matt, uh, give us your hockey minutes. What has caught you in these first couple weeks about these Blackhawks, the way this team is starting to form? Well, obviously the, those first two games were awesome. They they came out like gangbusters. And what was it, 10-1 to one and 5-1? to one. They, they, they won those first two. But they're, they're starting to... Do what we thought they'd do now a little bit. Come back down to the mean, a little, you know, mm-hmm. regress a little bit. Look more like the team who is talented but still has some work to do, some adjustments to make, some some guys need to come along. I think Nick Schmaltz coming back tonight uh, from injury ought to get that, that scoring going a little bit more, uh, the scoring depth at least with that second line, taking a hit with him off it. But uh, I, I think the, the biggest storyline, two biggest storylines for me are going to be Corey Crawford, who has been – absolutely phenomenal again so far this year he's four and one he's got a goals against average at like 1.8 i think he stopped 96 percent of the shots he's seen and he's still seeing a lot of shots it's not like they're holding teams at 20 21 shots a game and then the emergence of jan ruda who joe i'm not sure if that's you know a new that one name. for me thank you um yeah he was uh he was one of those he was a, a stan bowman european signing in the offseason a guy they you know brought on to compete for a fourth fifth sixth defenseman spot and he's kind of taking the reins and becoming that, you know, either their third or some might say second best defenseman on that team. So that, that's, that's been a really nice find for Stan Bowman and company. And I think it's just going to keep be, keep watching for these younger guys to develop, see which defenseman kind of grab bull by the horns a little bit and, and, and earn that job. And also see guys like Alex DeBrinkett continue to just progress, takes, you know, take steps forward. And hopefully by April, this team's a little bit more of a complete product if they can add, you know, one more piece yeah, to it. I, I think that, um, they they got to like where they're at through two weeks because, I mean, just looking at that schedule, it could have been a much different start to the season. Oh, it could have been all they, – they, they, every team they've played so far, yeah. Blues played on the team last year. And that, that doesn't stop until they play Arizona on Saturday, what's it, Saturday night, who's actually a pretty decent yeah, well, team this while year. While the Bulls now, are so. in the weakest conference, the, the Hawks have murderers row all season long in, the, in that conference. Yeah. And uh, even those – you think uh, you think Jonathan Taves is happy to have Brandon Saad back, Joe? I, I think mean, I know you don't watch. I think the whole city Saad's got. I think six the whole goals. city of Chicago is pretty happy to have Saad back. And quite the contrary, Matt. I've had we've had a couple national broadcasts here that I'm able to watch. And uh, don't tell the FCC, but I found a really nice illegal streaming site where Bears, Hawks, oh. everything you could ever want. We'll play, when I'm, we'll when play I'm out of market, we'll um, you know, we're, we're still watching here. I, we'll, we'll project it here on, on the on the big screen, and uh, I get I still get my my Blackhawks hockey in. So, Joe, I got I got the I got the legal one for the well, NHL. Hit you me, know. hit me you with that me uh, with that email and password, bro. Well, why don't you Why don't you throw me a <laughs> yeah, you know, couple bones you. there? Huh? Ease the uh, ease make, the impact make it a little, on the wall. A little a bit, smooth, huh? right? We'll make it worthwhile. We'll make it worth your while. Yeah. 
make that um, transaction. But, uh, actually, we're, I'm still very in tune with the Hawks because uh, our sports director here, Kevin Suits, my uh, uh, my colleague um, at, at 1011, is a huge Blackhawks fan too. So uh, anything anything we okay. can do, well, we got all helps. the packages at work. So when I'm at work, if they're on NHL Network, it's on. So. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be in the house on Thursday night, Joe. Get get to see Connor McDavid. Beautiful. Well, we'll be coming to you next week. Well, That'll be awesome. That. We'll be coming to you next week yeah. for some uh, for some first person accounts of this year this year's uh, Blackhawks squad. Looks like it's going to be a fun season and uh, no trouble for the Hawks keeping our attention for eighty two. All right, Matt. Uh, we get a little college let's jump, talk. Yeah, let's we, jump into a little college, college talk. A lot going down last week. Uh, Cues with the upset of the decade, 24-point dogs taking down Clemson in an all-orange battle. You know, we had it penciled in. Speaking of predetermined notions, we had Bama-Clemson penciled in. Tough. And now uh, not only does that get a little murkier, your national championship matchup, but that whole uh, college football playoff getting murkier. Some teams look like they're going to get the shaft again, and uh, it should be an interesting closing and uh, conclusion to, to the season here. But a lot happening last week. Six top 25 teams fall, and um, here in Huskerville, just the dark cloud continues. Yeah, well, hello darkness, my uh, old friend over the there. The worst part about it is Everyone knew it was coming, and uh, you tried to tell me last week that you know Nebraska always. They do. Well I was trying. Night, I was trying know, to paint the picture can, because it was so bleak. It was so bleak here that I think that the the main issue. I mean, there's a lot of issues, but the team is is welcoming in that outside chatter, and they're starting to download it. I, I, it didn't look like a team mm-hmm. who at any point thought they had a chance when that first whistle blew when kickoff started. They just they looked overwhelmed, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. Um, I don't even remember the final. I think fifty six fourteen something of that ilk. Not good. Yeah. Um, but as we said, a lot happening across the NCAA. And uh, Matt, when you're looking at this college football playoff, because I think it's start it's starting to be a little bit realistic to to look at this picture. I think that uh, not to be homers, but the Fighting Irish hold a key to what that final four is going to look like because Notre Dame has the current number 11, 16, 8, and 22 teams on their schedule still. One of the toughest strengths of schedules, if they can win out, you have a non-conference team, an independent team that's going to be in the final four, and that means at least one, probably two or three teams are going to end up getting the sorry but thanks for playing treatment when it comes to the college football playoff. Yeah, um, I... Somebody again is going to get, you know, likely get the shaft here. And I, I, but I'm looking at the top five, and you got the Miami is still undefeated. But if Notre Dame, Miami play, Notre Dame, Miami play each other, so mm-hmm. one of those two, you know, will play each other out with the winner of that. Uh, but you got Georgia and Alabama who are still up there. Who, if not one, if they don't fall, will meet in the SEC championship game, and yep. then one of them will. And then Penn State and TC, uh, Penn State and Wisconsin, excuse me, who I believe have the same deal there. If, if neither one of them lose out, they will meet in the Big Ten championship game. But I think with what you're looking at Notre Dame's schedule, you know, left, I, I don't see how they can't control. I guess it, if they went out and you get Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game, and you know, say Alabama beats Georgia, you know. 24-23 in a great back-and-forth game, then I think Georgia probably still should get in still over Notre Dame if, if TCU maybe runs the table. And then you got the Big Ten winner, then yeah, probably Georgia stays in because they did beat Notre Dame by that one point. 
and they shouldn't really be punished for a one-point loss to Bama, yeah. whatever close loss to Bama. But other than that, I don't see a team ahead of Notre Dame right now where if Notre Dame wins out, that should be in instead of the, from you know 6 to oh, 13 where they're at. If Notre Dame wins out, they deserve to be in there with what's left of their remaining schedule. There's no... They didn't yeah. play anybody this year. They and, played a lot of teams. They, they got that, a lot you know, of You know I'm going to agree with you in, in that vein just, just because of you know our allegiances. But there's also the possibility – we get into the conversation again of where does the committee put the most value? Is it conference championships? Is it strength of schedule? I know they take all of these things into account. But let's say you have a situation where USC is a two-loss conference champion. How much do you value that conference championship? Well, well clear – Joe, clearly last year we saw that conference championships in the long run don't which is a, Which is such a shame. Because they, they took a two-loss. It, it, I agree with you completely. But they, last year, they had, I think, was it a two, it was a two-loss Penn State team that beat Ohio State and yeah. won the Big Ten, and they still went with Ohio State over Penn State, which I think is, it, that, that to me, that, that exact reasoning right there is why the people who say Notre Dame will never get in without a conference championship, I think that's why that point yeah. is moot. Because... They they want to say that they care about conference championships, but what they really care is about putting you know getting as many blue bloods into that college football playoff as they can. So they can, not not that ticket sales will be a problem, but they want you know as many eyes on that as possible. And if you have Ohio State in a college football playoff over TCU, you're probably gonna get more people tuning in to watch mm-hmm. that semifinal game. And I don't I, I wouldn't want Notre Dame to get in this way, but Notre Dame is one of those teams that. Like a Michigan, like a USC, like an Alabama, they draw eyes because people either love them or want to yeah. see them lose. Uh, Matt, you mentioned TCU there, and that only leads me to our biggest story of the week. Off the schneid, oh. forget the past. We're one in. We're one in. Oh, baby, yeah, we're one in. Oh, in our locks of the week, the Horn Frogs come through for me after some. You know, after some internal strife on the pod last week, I wanted to go with the Sooners, but I thought that seven and a half on the road was too big of a number. Your boy was right. They didn't cover. That would have been 0 and 6 for me. Instead, we go with the Horn Frogs. We come through. Matt, you also had a win. 2 and 0 for Moose and Runes podcast. Jump on board because the train's leaving the station. Joe, I, 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 this morning when I woke up, I, I kind of forgot who you had taken or who actually we both took in our locks of the week. So I went, went back to last week's and kind mm-hmm. of skipped to that point. And I, I heard you talking and go with Oklahoma over Texas. And for a second, my I spelled it out though. You, let me, you would I actually settle with that. I thought my way through Oh, it. I did. I, and that's why I'm going to take a little bit of credit here because I actually let you, you, you know, gave me the space I needed, man. I, yeah. I gave you. Yeah. So I'm actually going to credit myself <laughs> for your win. Um, but, Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's, it's, it's good to be on the, the left side of that. Yes, column, yeah, I, I, tru- I truly appreciate yeah. that. With that, Matt. Well, why, yeah, why don't you give let, us a Let's yeah, jump into it here. here. Who you got? Um, I'm going to pick a hot LSU team on the road at Mississippi covering six and a half. Lock it. Lock it up. Locking it up. Lock it up. Uh, they're on the road. Mississippi's not. Uh, Mississippi's LSU. not great. Okay. Mississippi's I, I, I don't mind great. that. And LSU's riding great. high. But it, it, all, it all depends how a team true. responds to that high. Some teams can get complacent, but I don't think that's going to be the case over at LSU. I think I like that pick, too. I think I'll, I think Coach O will get those guys going. I think that and Mississippi's did you, not a good Did you hear Coach O's presser this week talking about – Oh, no, it was, was great. It, He's talking about um, going back and uh, – He's like, do you have any relationships you could still, you know, rely upon? And he goes, well, there was a, a Texaco station and uh, a woman, oh, uh, I forget her name, but 
the cook at the Texaco made the best chicken on the stick I ever had. So I feel like I can go back into that Texaco and say hello to the woman. That was a good chicken on the stick. I was like, first of all, what the hell's what Ch- the hell is chicken, chicken on, on a stick? stick? Second of all, I love you. Is Coach it like a corn dog? I, I, I guess so. Lord, Lord knows, Matt. Lord knows. I'm just, I got. I got to find. Maybe I'll put that clip in. The yeah, if you can find it, find it, put show. that clip in because it's good stuff. And it's been ten years. Is there anybody there that you still talk to? That's in the administration or just at the school at all? Is there any connection? You know, I used to stop at the uh, Exxon and get a chicken on a stick, and it was fantastic. And I hope that cook is still there, and I can stop and say hello to her. That's about all I remember. This is in Oxford? Yeah. Excellent. Chicken on a stick. I hope it was good. phenomenal. Good. good chicken on a stick. Best I ever had. <laughs> I will. Give us your um, lock. Yeah. Back to my lock of the week here. Um, Part of me wants to go with Michigan getting nine at Penn State, but I, in all good consciousness, cannot yeah. pick Michigan. And Michigan just um, teeter-totter. You you don't know what you're going to get out of them. No, but that seems like one of those games where they're still a top-tier mm-hmm. Big Ten team. They probably think people would have them probably fourth in that conference up behind Penn State, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Wisconsin right now. But they're still a good team with a great front seven and a great defense, and I think that just has the feels of a – a close, you know, scrappy, low-scoring Big Ten game like we now that see. now that we've broken it down, um, that's not your pick, though, correct? Okay, <laughs> no, that's not my pick. I, I, I can't, I, I can't enough. go with Michigan. Um, I'm going to go. Purdue is minus nine on the road okay. at Rutgers, and uh, other than beating Illinois this week, which I'm not sure is really much of a prize, um, Rutgers is just not very good. I think we've seen some good things from Purdue this year, and they got a they got a fun offense that can put up points. So I'm I'm going to take Purdue. Uh, laying yeah, that, that nine's a big number, but I have seen Rutgers uh, here in Lincoln, and uh, they are nothing to write home about. Um, not, physic- is it, not physically is it crazy opposing, that I not was... really disciplined. Um, I, I think that nine's a safe number. I like that pick as well. Is it crazy that I was flirting with Alabama minus 34 and a half at home? Not really, because, you know, we talked about we talked about Saban putting those challenges in front of his team. And if there's one team where I think the coach would present his group with the line and say, go get that number, it's Saban. Now, I'm not saying that yeah. he's going to do that, but I think his expectation is more congruent with that, thir- what is it, 34 and a half, 35? 34, 34 and a half than anything else. I think that that's something he demands of his team. Uh, I mean, Massive, massive number, but um, if anyone could cover it, it's it's and Tennessee's it's just the tide. Fire at it this is. Point. I mean, you, you you think you got it bad over there in Lincoln? I think it's a lot. Worse you got you got now. fans wearing bags over their heads. Um, you mentioned Lincoln, Matt, and uh, a big switch up uh, at t- atop the athletic department. Bill Moose from Washington State hired as the athletic director. Um, <laughs> gotta love That's an the awesome name. name. Um, Especially in Lincoln, with all the farms, it's, you got it's good on stuff. There. He he claims to be a rural boy. Seems like seems it's because cows are on farms. <laughs> yeah. and he's had uh, he's had success in the past in the Northwest. <laughs> no, I got it, I'll Matt. Stop. I got it. He's had success um, at Oregon, uh, now at Washington State, and it begs the question. I know people were talking about Leach following him here. Leach says he has no interest in that, but um, that's as we said prior to the podcast. That's uh, the only thing Mike Leach can say right now. So that wouldn't surprise me because 
the media here, the fans, they've all got Mike Riley's fate written on the wall. One thing that Moose did say in his introductory press conference, he does not believe in firing coaches in the middle of the season. So Mike Riley safe for the time being, at least until the final whistle of the 2017 season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's got to be an option for Nebraska with, with, with Leach going forward. I know, like you just said, we he can't say anything other than, you know, I'm committed yeah. to Washington State, I'm not going there, but... It, I guess it comes down to whether or not he really wants a shot at a big-time job because he's never really had that. He's always kind of floated around, at least in head, terms of being a head coach. Obviously, he was at Oklahoma for a while as the offensive coordinator, but he's never really had that shot at a big-time program. While Nebraska isn't there right now, um, they, they could get there again. They, they obviously have all the resources to do so, and they, they are that historic program. So it, it just comes down to whether or not Mike Leach is the kind of guy who wants that pressure that tension all yeah. that kind of stuff and and i i think only he well, really in, knows right in kind now. of delving into the temperaments of the fan base here in lincoln i think it makes sense too because it's a recognizable name and they need that here the last few hires across the athletic department have been mid-major guys have been names that people were even complaining about moose because they hadn't heard his name i was like first of all how many athletic directors can you name across the nation Second of all, this is a guy. They, they want the splash, you know. They, they want the name, and um, whether that's good or bad, I think Mike Leach is a recognizable enough name to appease the people here in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think so too. Um, it, R- Riley, what is there anything he can really do to still aside from winning out and winning? On the road against Penn State, I don't think he even taking down Iowa by thirty. I, I, I think. The writing is somewhat on the wall. Unfortunately, he's not going to get his full four-year cycle, but um, I think that uh, here at Nebraska, they demand winning, and they demand it now, and that's just not the reality of the situation. Um, I, I think the, the writing is on the wall, yeah. but glad to hear that it's not going to happen midseason because that presents some coverage issues. Um, you know, my days off could really get sh- shaken up there, but... Um, no one yeah, wants nobody that. wants, no that, wants that. Matt, a uh, lot of grievances here in uh, in Husker Nation. Do you have a grievance for us? Sure. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about. It. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? Cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Mine is, I, I, it's not a massive grievance because I don't care as much about soccer as, as a lot of people might. Um, but I, I guess my grievance still is just with, with the United States soccer. I'm not going to claim like I watched all these games and, and was, you know, intently hoping that they would, you know, make the World Cup and was devastated when they didn't. But the fact that, you know, the, the United States the team, and every other sport, even in women's soccer as well, so it's really just men's soccer that they can't get it figured out enough to the point where they can't compete. They can't beat a team like Trinidad and Tobago and qualify, you know, in a qualifying group or whatever it's called, the CONCACAF, I believe. it's That's what we're in, Joe, right? The, the CONCACAF? Yeah, why not? Yes, yes. Joe, are you no, listening no, no. to me? Yes, I'm going to go with yes. I'm gonna, Listen I'm gonna to me, go Joe. Yes. <laughs> Basically where it's just set up for the United States and Mexico to get to the World Cup, we still can't do it. Um, firing, a, I, again, I'm, I don't know a lot of – a lot about you know soccer and strategic soccer, but I know Jurgen Klinsmann was a guy who got you know, the United States soccer team 
out of one of the most difficult groups in the World Cup the you know last time around and had done some good things here and getting rid of him for a guy who you fired like 10 years ago. Um, it, ju- it just doesn't seem like, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much not educated in soccer or the, the inner workings of United States soccer, but from an outside perspective, for the United States to not be able to compete at the World Cup, I think should be an embarrassment to United States soccer. I've seen a lot of inspired rants from uh, former U.S. guys on who are, are now analysts, whether it's ESPN, Fox Sports, all that stuff. But the fact that you can't compete with the resources the United States of America yeah. has in a World Cup is just flat yeah, out. Yeah, and we're we're moving into an era where I hate to say it, but some of our best talent nationwide is shying away from contact sports. Not to say soccer isn't a physical sport, contact sport. There are issues with concussions in soccer too. Guys going up for headers. Uh, you know, I, I've seen firsthand some some loved ones that are affected by that, but. It is a safer sport. It is a safer option. Some of our best talent is starting to go that direction. So if you cannot develop that talent, there is a grassroots issue. My cousin Wesley, he runs a club that goes U8 to I think U16, U17, something like that. And he he was even saying that there is a systemic issue with youth level soccer in the United States and how it is becoming a pay-for-play type situation. Not pay-for-play, but it's such an expensive sport, these tournaments. They need to make mm-hmm. it more accessible to underprivileged youth so we can get a full talent pool so that talent could then grow. You're looking at these other countries and at these factories of soccer. These kids are being determined at 13, 14, whether or not they're going to be stars. And somehow those stars pan out. They have a way of labeling these kids at a very young age, and those labels coming to fruition in your stars, your Messi's, your Cristiano Ronaldo's, and obviously we're talking about the 99.9 percentile there, but mm-hmm. that's the way things work over there. I don't know why that's not the way things work here. I don't know why we're unable to do that because I saw a tweet on Twitter that summed it up perfectly. It was something along the lines of uh, the USA men's wrestling uh, corporation or whatever association gets a ham sandwich and a bus ride and they find a way to win world championships. But the soccer in the United States can get all the funding in the world and they can't even qualify for a world cup. So there is an issue and we can be, we can be Mm -hmm. as high as we want on this Pulisic kid. He's the future of USA soccer, but if we don't get to watch him in the world cup, then his brand, the brand of USA soccer is all for naught. Yeah, uh, I mean the, that that's really well said. And that was a the, the grassroots development and, and and really home growing our own players and the problems doing that. I think is where the issue lies. Uh, not to go back to my bread and butter here, but I, that was a criticism mm-hmm. of hockey in the United States um, not too long ago. And I think we've seen you know United States hockey taking you know positive steps in in the past, and we're starting to see a lot more American stars come up there. So I don't know exactly what they've been doing, but hopefully, you know, the United States soccer can take a couple pages out of that playbook because hockey is not the, the cheapest sport to to go out and play and and have mm-hmm. your kid play either. Um, so so hopefully we can see some some progress there on that front. But to to not make the World Cup in in as winnable and as easy of a group federation, whatever the hell the the, the Concacaf or whatever group is called. Um, I think yeah. that's ridiculous. And, uh, it's, it's a problem that needs fixing. Matt, um, love getting fired up about soccer on a Tuesday morning. Apo- apologies to all the soccer fans who listen to this podcast who <laughs> Said had to listen to us talk about that because we sound like absolute idiots there. But I think 
there was some there was good yes. intention behind that. I think we were both tweet a at bit, us, you know. text us, whatever you need to do, get us in line so we can uh, so we can properly talk soccer. Yeah. Thank you. We like that. Let's jump into Every a little buyer sell matter. All right, you want you, you want to yeah, start, start us off, off or should I? Um, we 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 talked about the incident, but um, let's delve into it a little deeper here. Buy or sell? Anthony Barr's hit on Aaron Rodgers was dirty. I sell really? it one hundred percent. He was running. He was running full speed. I mean, he just Ooh, he finished a, a hit. It, it was Aaron a hair Rogers, late. It was a Aaron Rodgers for me. If Aaron, yeah, but he was yeah, going I, full speed, Joe. There's no stopping yeah. at that point. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, or if that's any other quarterback in the NFL, or, you know, mid-tier quarterback in the NFL, nobody cares or questions it. The only reason it's being questioned if it's dirty is because it took yeah. out Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it was dirty. I, I think he was he was going full speed. He finished his hit like you're taught to. And, you know, I, I know Rodgers wound up to throw, but what if that throws a pump fake? What is he going to do, stop once he sees Rodgers winding up to throw because, oh, he's going to throw, I don't want to, you know, be dirty or hit him? No, that, that was a football play, and it's unfortunate that somebody gets injured, but I don't think that, Every time somebody gets hurt, a big name gets hurt, we need to you know break down the play 100% and say, oh, well, is this rule dirty, yeah. all that stuff? I, I, it was a football play. It was a hit, and it's unfortunate that one no, of the best I, players. I feel you on that, but um, like you said, one of the best players in the league, one of the most electrifying players, one of the players that really brings eyes to the game. So it's no surprise when referees and league officials are trying to almost mm-hmm. – rule out and when when I when I say rule out I mean put rules in place to to completely take situations like that out of the game um it does make it hard on defensive players and uh it's a shame that the game has become less physical you know at the quarterback position but um you know you, you can hardly find 32 guys to play the position so you got to protect the guys that are in there uh, that that I don't disagree with but I think they're they're doing everything yeah. they can to at this point I mean you can't hit the quarterback too low you can't hit the quarterback too high. Now you're going to say you can't hit him, you know, with the short whatever. I mean, not that that's what you were saying, but you, you have to yeah. be able to hit the quarterback. No, I agree with so. you, Matt. It's uh, it's the gray area, and Anthony Barr uh, found found the gray area, and uh, it was like you said, a football play. All Moving right. on. I'll, I'll move on here. We touched on a little bit with college football talk, but uh, buy or sell a conference gets two teams in here for the first. Um, time. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it just because I think that, uh, you know, it's so up in the air right now, and there are a lot of one-loss teams that are going to be vying for those bottom two spots, maybe bottom three spots. Um, I don't know how many undefeated teams we'll end up with. But if there was a conference for it to happen, I think that I think that the committee would really fall in love with the SEC. They'd have to fall in love with the SEC. If Georgia can win a nail-biter against Alabama in the SEC championship, then... I think I could see both of those teams getting in, but or if Georgia, yeah. me, if Georgia drops a nail biter to Alabama, either way, I think I think, I think either, either way, way close either game way in the SEC championship, you might see both of those teams get in. Is it either think, or either? I, I and, either and I think I can either. answer that question by saying either. Either. Oh, okay. Did you see what I did there? Uh, I see what yeah. you did there. Took me. You're a quick. Man. Took me a You're second, quick. but I. <laughs> I but I'm going to sell on it. Just um, there's a lot of teams, like I said, vying for those spots. And the way it shakes down, especially if Notre Dame gets in, it'd be hard to imagine two teams getting in. Big Ten with Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State all really having viable roads in as well right now. That's another avenue that I could go. But even if Wisconsin wins out, you know they haven't played, they haven't beat a team yet 
with an over 500 schedule, all of their wins coming against sub 500 teams. So I don't know how realistic that is. Mm-hmm. If Penn State can win out and win the Big Ten championship, they're in. But again, if it's a close game with another team, I, I don't know. It, it's just a very confusing situation, so I'm selling on it. I feel like if there's a year where it's tailor-made for it to happen, I think it's this one. But I also think if it doesn't happen, like if it doesn't happen this year, I'm not really sure. If, if things go like we think they're going to the rest of the year, I'm not really sure there's going to be a year where it does. Um, I, I, I don't see Alabama or Georgia losing before the SEC championship game. Um, and I think, like you said, if it's a close game, I think one of those has probably got to still get in. Um, I think you can say the same thing in the Big Ten. Um, if Ohio State you know, misses out on the Big Ten championship game or whatever, I, I or excuse me, Penn State missed out on the Big Ten championship game with a loss, but they're still you know one loss team who looks really good. That that might be the team the committee tries to get in there. So uh, who knows? I think if there's a year, you got two conferences who are set up pretty decently well for it. But um, I don't know. I think it's going to. Yeah, I know it doesn't help Notre Dame's chances down the line, but I think we need automatic qualifiers here. I think you need six automatic or five automatic qualifiers, two at larges. I. I'm a fan of the six-team playoff. I think you get. Yeah, yeah. I, no, see, I think I think, you, I think have, you if you want to call it no, five I think you need to go, qualifiers. Yeah, but I think you need to go eight, but, so you can have the possibility of getting a, a Notre Dame, an unaffiliated, a, a non-conference team in there. And yeah, then you, I think I think that's where you're at. Yeah, with but the at-large. those those. Like but if you get three at-larges like that, then you can sneak in a second SEC team, sneak in a second Big Ten team, sneak in a. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think you have to do. Yeah, but I guess you'd have to work without automatic. Qualifier. But when it's qualifier. but I, I see what you're saying too. With the six team, then you incentivize that one and two seed. Those teams get buys this and that. Hey, you honestly even incentivize. You can t- find, figure out ways to incentivize the three yeah. and four seed if you want to. But again, this is a different debate. That it is, Matt. We're moving on. <laughs> buy or sell. You know, there's a bit of a chill in the air. Heavy dew in the morning. Mm. Buy or sell November golf in the Midwest. How much do you love the game? Oh, I love it. You love it? I love it. I mean, it's got, I mean, it can't be under, it's, it's got to be, you know, warmer November day. It's got to be yeah. you know, mid fifties. Um, but it, or you can be low fifties, but no wind, something like that. But I, I'm a big fan. The, the quarter zap, the quarter zip long course yeah. golf weather for me is just, it doesn't really the only reason I asked that question is so I could dovetail into this Tiger Woods. Ti- no, You're going to play no, golf later Tiger today? Woods oh, okay. cleared for all normal golf activities. Did you see the swing though with the driver that he put on Twitter? It, it didn't look, look bad. It, it looked just, it it looked it looked quick. It looked short. It just it didn't. It he looked look like, like he was on plane. He didn't look like he was across the line. It looked like it was a back. It looked like a Joe. back friendly swing. He's not going to look like Tiger. He needs to find a different way to get around the course other than smashing at three fifty. That's not that can't be Tiger's game anymore. He's got like six back surgeries to his name. He's got a knee that's bionic. It's he's going to have to. You know, strategically move the ball around the course if he ever wants to play on the PGA Tour again, let alone compete for anything. I know. Just be excited does, with me, man. I I he had the Sunday I red on. I can't let myself. He had the Sunday red on. And it I gave can't. Me butterflies. He, he was it wearing gave me butterflies. Shorts. I can't get excited. I, I can't. Let Fine, give me your last buy or sell. Much I want him back. Yeah. Wow. Ep- I, maybe I am, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox, the, uh, the the Kings, Sacramento Kings first-round draft pick, uh, said in an interview the other day that he thinks in and out is overrated and it's just not that good. 
Joe, are, are you with in a buy, buy or sell here? You're with De'Aaron Fox. In and out is overrated. And if so, what is your you know, what's your favorite of those like burger type chain you know, national type regional burger, place. burger areas? Not not the chain place because you know Wendy's is everywhere. But like we have Portillos. Yeah. There's Whataburger in the south. There's In and Out out west. What, what's what's your, um, what's your place? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that In and Out is overrated. I've only had it twice. Thank you. Um, really thin patty. I mean, fresh fresh ingredients, but like it was a burger. I, I wasn't crazy about it. And I understand yeah. the regional love for a certain food, you know, and their thing is that's, that's their thing out West. It's, it's in and out. Okay. You did it. It's good. Does not hold a candle to Shake Shack. Shake Shack is a phenomenal product. You can get it now in a number of different places. If you haven't go do it, it blows in and out out of the water. I oh, still man. haven't. I Get still have not had Shake Shack yet. Delicious fry, great shake, burgers. Maybe, are maybe, hey, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to go to Shake Shack. Come back, really here good stuff. And I'd be proud if that's how your if that's how your day shook down. Um, speaking oh, no, of which, happen. not too many. Later. I was going to say not too <laughs> many. Uh, not too many free um, weekdays off for you anymore. A major congratulations in order. Uh, a now full time member over at the at the. Let me get this right. NBC Sports Chicago family. Am I saying that right? I am. We got we got the, the, we got the rebrand. Now, did you get any swag out of that? Uh, any merch? Just over two weeks. Okay. Not yet, but they have. They got some really nice. Well, I I will be. They, they got this really nice Nike NBC Sports Ooh. Chicago quarter zip. I just cannot maybe wait if to one get my hands on because anybody who knows me knows I'm a great if quarter one zip. Falls guy. off the back of a truck. Like you, you give your boy a call. Prefer. Preferably a medium or large. Yeah, I can't really get that. E- you can't really get that email back these days. So. uh you know, maybe maybe you reach out. Maybe you be a conduit. Maybe 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 doesn't even have to be a doesn't even have to be a quarter. Doesn't have to be a quarter. just like like a like a dad hat, something, a t shirt. We we do have we they they do have the hats. I can get you. Yeah, I might just look into it. Look into it. That's all I'm saying. You know, see what I can do. Maybe I get like a moose and old, rice patch on the side and make people old think friend that we're of the program. There. Yeah, we do need a patch. We need to start putting patches on things. Patch, a sticker, all that. Yeah, let's. When we get into the t shirt game, well. No, uh, no um, mailbag question today, but this was, uh, instead of our best thing we saw this week, Matt, I think you're going to lead us in here to kind of a, a tangential segment. Well, this, this was, was mail- this was from someone? Here, Joe. Oh, okay. This was well, the mailbag question, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll I'll, I'll preface this by playing a little Ooh. clip for us here, Joe. 11 years ago <laughs> yesterday. 11 years ago yesterday, this happened. If you live in Chicago, you, you will probably be able to recite this word for word, but this happened. The Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let him off the hook. Joe, do you, do you remember where you were when Denny Green said those immortal words? They are who I we was thought in, they were. I was do in Dominic Bolton's were? basement. We were we were surrounded by just an inordinate amount of wing bones. We had ordered like a family sized mm. thing of wing stop for that for the game for the Cardinals Bears game, and uh, I think it was me down there, Big Dom, Dom Compagna. I want to say Mike Lonnie, Cam Verbecki. It was a great crew. We watched the game. Oh, great. That's it was a, a, that's legendary a legendary Elmwood crew Park, right there. Gailwood crew over there, and we were having a great time celebrating the win. And when those immortal words were uttered and uh, 
a really good one, but I think Matt, that's going to lead us to our to our segment here, our favorite sports rant of all time. Um, Matt, do, do you have something for the people? Honestly, Joe, I think I got to go that's with it? that one. I, I I've been racking my brain here. I've been trying to think of one yeah. that I like better, and it is really the the podium slap. It's perfect. The walk off, the reference to week three of the pre. It's it had perfect. everything. It just it had every. I mean. I'll let you go before I cite a couple others. Yeah, don't you take my thunder here. This isn't it, but 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 go. I think I might have an idea which way you're going. But go, Matt. Ahead. You know I love you coaching. Going? You know I love old school coaches, and uh, my, my favorite's got to be the single Terry can't win with him rant because not only was can't do it, can't do it, can't win with him, can't do it. It was not only a phenomenal rant from just a military style coach. You know, just that, just your old school hand-in-the-ground coach, it also led to one of the greatest careers in NFL history. Vernon Davis, from that point on, was a marquee example of what you want out of an NFL athlete, out of a tight end. He was, you know, everything you could have thought of being a figure, a, a, a representative of the NFL from that point on. So it was not only a great rant, but an effective one at that. I, that's not a bad choice. I thought you were going to go with, uh, with, with it was Alan. a close second. I really did. I thought, I you thought know, you were AI, that way. Um, but I'm not surprised to find out. AI that it was, was, uh, was a hero of mine, you know, had all the shoes, had a couple jerseys and, uh, you had, the I was never a headband too, guy. You? Couldn't shoot with the headband on. Couldn't shoot without the headband, but, uh, it was, it that was, like yeah, no, we were, I was the finger sleeve. I did have a finger sleeve at one point, the Allen Iverson finger sleeve. Good. <laughs> Good God, mate! That's why you yeah, couldn't could have shoot been. offhand, Joe. though. Offhand, it was just the the set hand. So yeah, that's a guide, guide hand. hand. Guide but hand. Uh, some great ones, as you said, some great rants uh, throughout the years. Um, oh, here, here's to many more, Matt, because it always is great. We haven't had it's a good been one a while. We're, we're, we're due. We're due for one. Denny Green was really the. I forget if it was, which one came first, Singletary or Green, but those were right around the same time. We haven't really had a was that a great one? Was the Sabins Sabins tried to give us a couple here and there, but the early the mid 2000s yep i I mean it had to be i i I, we we need a good one coming up here soon i I need saban i need maybe like a butch jones lets the frustration Mm -hmm. boil over mike gundy was obviously right up there with i'm a man i'm 40 but man those are all coming around the same time we need we need somebody to step up i think they do and uh speaking of stepping up our our listeners always step up they come to the plate for us matt we want to thank we want to thank the moose and runes listeners for always tuning in, you know we're we're getting your feedback. We're listening to what you want. We got a couple new segments coming your way uh, these next coming weeks. Here, going to try and work on a few things. Uh, we we love when you guys you know become part of the show. We love your questions. We love your input. So thank you for that, Moose and Runes listeners. Jump on Twitter. Follow us at Moose and Runes. Let us know what you think. Subscribe on iTunes. Get after us on SoundCloud. Wherever you can find us, we love your support. We thank you for your support, Matt. You got anything else for the people before I shut us down? You know, I, I I originally thought I had the shutdown this week, so I prepared just a, a little small Matt, thing to say. I'm it's not yours. Get too far into it, it's I yours. I got nothing special. I got nothing special. Is it timely? Because okay. if it's he, timely, I want you to do it. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shutdown. I've seen enough. Shut it down. I'll wrap it up. Shut quickly. us down, man. I wanted to give a a, a quick shout out on, on Twitter the other day. News started to break a little bit. Eddie Olchek is going to be back in the uh, the NBC in the Blackhawk booth 
um, as much as his health allows uh, starting, I think, Wednesday night uh, when the Hawks are in, in St. Louis and NBC. And, uh, you know, obviously he's been going through health issues since being diagnosed with cancer. He's going through chemo. And Eddie is a, a guy who I had um, the uh, fortune of working with a little bit uh, in my in my first stint in, in media over at the Cap and Haw Show. He's a regular guest on our show a lot. I, I, I dealt with him, and he probably wouldn't remember who I am at this point, but got to deal with him a little bit when I was there and with the Blackhawks. And he is a, a fantastic human being. He's a great guy, um, and it, it's nice to see. Hopefully now he's doing you know a little bit better, well enough to get back in that booth, obviously, and this is a, a good sign for him going forward. But uh, you know, had, round of applause for Eddie Olchek getting back in the booth and, and a guy who really is his job. He, he he loves to work more than anybody I've I've really ever met. Um, and it's it's nice to see him get back in the booth, even if it's just on a here and there basis. It'll be nice to hear him back. Calling yeah, him great again. stuff, Matt. Just all the thoughts and the prayers in the world going out to Eddie and his family. Glad to hear that he's at the point where he can get back in the booth. And you know, I had some limited contact with him as well over at Comcast Sportsnet, and Eddie's just. As you said, whether or not he remembered either of us or remembers anyone he comes into contact, we remember the way that he made us feel. You know, uh, when, when people, exactly. when time passes on, people forget what you did, but they're never going to forget the way that you made him feel. And Eddie's the type of guy who always makes the people around him feel like they matter, like they're worth something, and, and like like he's their best friend. So here's the Eddie Olchek getting back in the booth. The game is better when he's there. Looking forward to hearing from Edzo and the whole gang throughout the rest of the season. Thank you to the Moose and Runes listeners. Thank you to Matt Rooney for always uh, being a great brother-in-arms here on the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 25. It's always a pleasure reaching out to you fans. We want you to reach out to us, let you know what we, what you want us to get at, what you want to hear from us here at the Moose and Runes podcast. This is your show. We're just a couple of talking heads, and we appreciate you listening to us talk. That's going to do it for episode 25 of the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We will see you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was... Awesome! Chicken on a stick was phenomenal.